Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Wow, what a busy, news-filled week this is turning out to be. We had, the, of course, the aid package announced this week for farmers, and now looks like a a deal with the European Union that could be very good, especially for soybeans. We're waiting for details, though, on, on both. We're going to get reaction today from the National Corn Growers Association, National Pork Producers Council, and the American Soybean Association, as we'll talk about these events this week and what it means moving forward for U.S. agriculture. But first, we also want to review what's been going on. Another interesting week with the RFS. We've asked Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets uh, reporter for Reuters, to join us again today. Because, Jarrett, I think uh, with the events of this week, don't we have a little better idea, a little clearer picture of how EPA under Andrew Wheeler will handle and deal with the RFS? Sure, absolutely. I think uh, that we had talked before, we, we were looking for some clues or some signals uh, from Mr. Wheeler and how he would approach it and how his approach would be different from Mr. Pruitt. And I think we got him this week. Uh, he sat down with some reporters, including myself, and uh, it seems to me the headline is that, you know, expect status quo. That, that was my takeaway. Um, he, uh, as we recall, Mr. Pruitt sought some reforms, such as uh, attaching RINs to ethanol exports and, and you know, as a way to give some, some, some concessions uh, and also to give for the E15. So it was like a package deal. So there would be two or three uh, reform measures as part of the package deal, nothing standalone. Uh, he seems to kind of maintain that 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 posture. So, I mean, ultimately that means that if the biofuel folks want E15, they're going to have to give up something else, which, you know, that has always been the sticking point. Um, and then I think more importantly, and I think as we've heard from the, the last couple weeks and months uh, from biofuel folks uh, criticizing the use of the small refining waivers, uh, I think two points. One is he doesn't see there's any issues to the way the EP is currently managing the system in terms of the, the number and the volumes. He believes that the Obama administration mishandled it, and this administration is handling it properly. And on the issue of reallocation um, of those volumes, he believes that that's going to be part of the negotiation. So if biofuel folks uh, want uh, the EPA to reallocate those gallons, they're going to have to give some concessions and elsewhere. So. I'm not so sure that's a that's something that, that the biofuel folks think is a negotiating point. Uh, so I, I just think we're going to be sounds like we're going to be stuck in the mud here for a few more months. Yeah, I would say overall that doesn't sound like the most encouraging news for the biofuels industry. I know the feeling was when the the switch was made. Well, it can't be any worse than it was under Scott Pruitt, but it sounds like it may not be a lot better either as, on some of these key issues as far as the position of the biofuels industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, he believes, and I think we should probably give him some time to see if he can, you know, affect it. But, you know, I guess he believes he has long history here. He has some credibility with the, the stakeholders, um, and he believes he can get the, the, the two sides together. But I, I think we, particularly you, probably more than me, you've probably seen this, this song before, right? Um, yep. Yeah, and uh, I think anybody that thinks they can get these two sides together is, is, is going to, um, you know, come up against a, a, a tough lesson, which is, I, I don't know if it's possible, particularly, you know, I, I, I was saying to people yesterday, I mean, 
whether you agree with it or not, I think biofuel folks think that the reallocations are right, right? They think that's something that, you know, it's almost like, you know, I'm not negotiating away free speech, right? <laughs> so, uh, yeah. You know, so I think that they think they, you know, so if that's his starting point, I'm, I'm not so sure how you get the biofuel folks on board if that's, you know, if they have to give concessions to get something that they believe they're entitled to. So it, it strikes me as, it, I don't know how it gets done. Unless, unless, unless the biofuel folks really soften their position, which I, I'm not so sure that's going to happen. Given yeah, that I doubt that legal. that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's the key. Avenue, I th- why, why wouldn't they? Why wouldn't they at least exercise that before they come to the negotiating table? Yeah, I think those court cases, those lawsuits that have been filed, that that may determine how this goes. I think so. I mean, I, I don't know why you would go to the negotiating table now if you ha- at least you can get some relief from the courts. But as we can see, this, those courts take some time, and, uh, you know, so, I, you know, that's always the case, the balance and things that the, the folks that are managing those court cases have to kind of uh, figure out, you know, whether expediency versus, uh, you know, getting stuff, getting some change. So I think that's probably the balance. We're talking with Jarrett Renshaw with Reuters. All right, Jarrett. Did, did Wheeler also make a comment uh, along the lines, I'm trying to remember and I'm paraphrasing here, something about uh, if they set $15 billion as the RVO level, they want it, he, he yeah, wants it yeah. to be a solid well, that, $15 billion. Sure. I mean, that's how he kind of started out the discussions. Um, you know, so in, when that was his first, uh, you know, he essentially said, you know, we want to make sure that the, both the letter and the spirit of the law is being maintained. Uh, you know, a 15 billion gallon mandate, and to me that that initially signaled, okay, well, it seems like he's he he's in favor of uh, reallocation. So you know, I, we asked it, you know, three or four different ways because we were getting some mixed signals, and ultimately, you know, he said that reallocation. He believes that real we should look at reallocation, but that is not something that will be you know done unilaterally without any other any other things coming along for the ride, um, so other reforms, um, ethanol export RINs or things like that. So, you know, he seems sympathetic to the argument, you know. Um, he So he just certainly, you know, talked about it. So, you know, he is going to Iowa here in the next, uh, you know, I, I believe sometime in August. Um, it will be interesting to see what he amplifies there and, and what he stresses there. He, he strikes me as a little bit more, I don't know, credible, I guess, to, uh, for lack of a better word, than maybe Scott Pruitt did on the road. I mean, it seemed like Scott would say whatever, you know, his audience wanted to hear. I'm not so sure Wheeler, I think Wheeler understands that his words have meaning. So I think he'll be a little bit more uh, careful with how he phrases things. Um, so, you know, I think that's something to watch. But I, I, as of right now, I, like I said, we started, started the conversation. I don't think much is changing um, as we sit here today. So was that, do you think, and here's a question we kept going back to with uh, with Scott Pruitt, was he following the direction of the White House, or is this EPA being left alone to do what they see they ought to do on this? Sure, yeah, that, that, that is the million-dollar question. Um, you know, as we've both come down before, we, we believe, you know, you can't separate the two. Uh, he's, you know... He was asked, I think he was asked something along those lines, like who's pulling the strings on this. And, uh, you know, he gave some, some, some very canned response that Donald Trump fully supports the RFS. Um, you know, so uh, it's, it's really hard to tell. I, 
I think there's, there is enough pressure from the oil industry on both President Trump and the EPA, um, and they're listening to them. And I think they want to, you know, they believe, rightly or wrongly, that the, um, you know, that, that the compliance is costly to them. And I think they want to try to get some something um, that helps them and, and try to not injure the biofuel folks enough. I mean, uh, uh, not harm them too much. I, th- I do think there's those efforts are, you know, I think that's what's driving it. All right. Jarrett, interesting week. I'm not, not sure it's a very encouraging week for the biofuels industry, but we have a better idea, I think, what uh, we're dealing with here. Thank you very much for the insights. Look forward to talking with you again. Hey, no problem. Take it easy. Jarrett Renshaw, National Energy Markets Reporter for Reuters. Up next, Jim Monroe with the National Pork Producers Council on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Most of us like to be out in the sun. That's why sunscreen and other safety measures are key to protecting your skin from aging and cancer. The FDA recommends using a sunscreen with a sun protection factor, or SPF, of 15 or higher. Also, look for broad spectrum on the label. That means both harmful ultraviolet A and B rays are blocked. UVA rays age the skin, UVB rays burn, and both cause cancer. But the perfect sunscreen doesn't count if you use it wrong. Don't need sunscreen on a cloudy day? Wrong. 80% of UV rays still get through the haze. Only use sunscreen at the beach? Nope. Anytime you're outside, UV rays attack the skin, so you need protection. And you have to reapply sunscreen every two hours. Remember, SPF plus broad spectrum equal healthy fun in the sun. Visit www.fda.gov sunscreen for more information. A message from the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. 
Information farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Certainly a lot going on. The uh, four key players from the ag committees on both sides of uh, of uh, Capitol Hill, you have, of course, the chairman and ranking member of both uh, the Senate and House ag committees are expected to meet today to start negotiations. That. And also, it looks like things are starting to pick up again on NAFTA. Mexico's negotiating team in Washington today to continue the NAFTA renegotiation talks. And, you know, there's been a lot of speculation, a lot of talk coming from the White House about doing a deal just with Mexico. But Mexico and Canada evidently have uh, said no to that. And they um, they said the essence of this deal is trilateral, and it will remain trilateral. So it doesn't sound like uh, the idea of a U.S.-Mexico deal is going to go very far. So we'll keep an eye on all of that, and certainly just so much going on in the news uh, right now. This week, of course, we're still getting reaction to the uh, $12 billion aid package from the administration to farmers, although some are now questioning if it will be that much. Uh, we're getting reaction from different segments of the ag industry. Joining us now is the uh, Senior Director of Public Relations for the National Pork Producers Council, Jim Monroe. Jim, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here, Mike. How is the pork industry reacting to the aid package? Well, um, you know, we understand that the administration is balancing many interests in what is a major overhaul of U.S. trade policy. Um you know, essentially where the Trump administration is putting trade and economic security at the center of national security and foreign policy. It's redefining our trade relationship with China. We're, uh, you know, in the midst of modernizing the NAFTA, as you referenced just a minute ago. And these are all very, very complex matters. And we recognize that. But, uh, you know, our number one priority is restoring uh, trade on, on previous terms with Mexico and China and moving forward on the nego- uh, negotiation of new FTAs. So, you know, our reaction is that we currently have uh, U.S. pork exports um, under 40 percent of U.S. pork exports under punitive tariffs as a result of these trade disputes. Uh, U.S. pork producers and their families are in a tough financial situation. So, you know, we we, we recognize that President Trump is making good on his commitment to have the back of American farmers, uh, but hopefully this is a, a short-term solution, um, and that we get to a longer-term uh, plan for, uh, you know, opening and expanding export opportunities, which is again our number one priority. Okay, we're still waiting for more details, but do we have any idea how this aid would be available to pork producers? How it would? Uh, work when it comes to pork. We've heard, you know, about waiting till harvest time and figuring out things for uh, uh, soy and wheat and, and, and corn farmers, but what about assistance to pork producers? How would that work? Yeah, you, you're, uh, uh, you're right in that it's, I think it's probably a little bit more straightforward for uh, crop farmers, a um, little, little more complex um, when you understand the, the pork supply chain. Uh, and uh, it's not clear to us right now. So 
um, we're, we have the same questions that you have, Mike. And, and I think, you know, the administration was pretty upfront. I'm sure you listened to their, uh, the USDA's briefing the other day, and they were, they were pretty upfront that there's still some of those details to work out. And so we look forward to working with the administration to work out those details and, um, you know, as needed, deliver, deliver relief to U.S. pork producers. I, do you think it could be a, in the form of purchasing product and putting it in storage or giving it, you know, to uh, feeding programs, things like that? I mean, is, could that be a part of it? That well, yeah. The U.S. hogs have been hog farmers have been identified as being eligible for direct payments. You know, one third of the program, or one one component of the three pronged program, and also for um, uh, you know uh, redistribution of product and and purchase of of product and you know the the specific parameters around all that and the volume and you know just just don't know at this time but um u.s pork is eligible in both of those those categories in the program so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out meanwhile we've seen some comments from some close to the administration saying that uh, that 12 billion dollar figure may not be accurate may not get to be that much you're hearing anything on that i i think i've heard the same things you've heard we um saw the uh head of the economic council i think has, has made those those comments and you know I'll take that as a as optimism and a good sign in that hopefully we see um, you know a, a resolution to some of the trade disputes particularly with Mexico and China um, and that the the volume of relief isn't isn't needed um, so as I said before um, reopening or resolving those trade disputes is our number one priority we have just a, a great product a great ability to compete uh, on the, in, the, in the global market, and that's what we want to do. We just want to be able to compete on a level playing field. Talking with Jim Monroe with the National Pork Producers Council. Jim, now we have the news about, again, we're short of details on this too, but it looks like a, maybe it could be a good situation for the U.S. and EU, especially on some products like, uh, you know, some commodities like soybeans. But we're still waiting for details there. But hopefully that would be the sign of uh, things to come, right? Uh, we can finally start seeing some results uh, from some of these trade negotiations, some good results. Absolutely. And I think, to, to me, one of the um, most beneficial aspects of the, the, you know, the tone on that potential agreement that came out of the White House yesterday is hopefully you know, backing off of the implementation of tariffs on automobiles and auto parts, um, you know, I think there's obviously a lot of speculation right now that that could be the administration's next move. And um, I think yesterday's tone uh, hopefully is a sign that, that they're backing away from that. And I think our, our concern on, on that step would be um, much more significant retaliation against U.S. agriculture than we've already seen. So um, as far as, you know, opportunities in the European market, I think, you know, for U.S. pork, as you said, you know we got a lot to work through there, um, but that that also would be uh, uh, positive news. But I think that'd probably be further off. I think not on the not positive side, though, the president's uh, commitment and insistence that tariffs are a good thing and an effective way to get things done uh, that just is not the uh, the track record or not the the perspective that uh, most in agriculture have had over the years. No, you're you're absolutely right, and 
you know, speaking on behalf of U.S. pork. I'm not sure there's been um, a better example of the benefits of free trade than, than U.S. pork. We have seen uh, the sector grow exponentially um, ever since we formed, or the, the U.S. formed its first free trade agreement in 1989. We, we export more pork to the countries, that, the 20 countries that we have free trade agreements with than we do to the rest of the world combined. And as I said earlier, uh, we are extremely competitive. We do very well. We win when we can compete on a level playing field. So, you know, the investment that you've seen in recent years in U.S. pork is all been driven by the promise of exports. And, um, you know, right now you have this shadow of uncertainty over the industry, and I think that's inhibiting investment and, unfortunately, preventing us from, from capitalizing on um, a, a growth opportunities and an, and an opportunity to offset the, the overall trade deficit that we have in the United States. Jim, I know the National Pork Producers Council is part of an overall, uh, a bigger group of uh, those in the ag sector that are, are combining now to try to send the message to the president and this administration about how trade policies are hurting American farmers. Yes, we um, we are part of a number of of coalitions: uh, Farmers for Free Trade, Americans for Farmers and Families, and I think it's important um, to 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 you know um, speak as a as a collective voice um, and and to you know just reinforce and amplify the message that um, we certainly send um, as the U.S. pork industry uh, as an overall agricultural message and i think you know the agriculture in the united states is pretty unified about the importance of of exports our dependence on exports and and you know to the extent that farm farmers and their families depend on exports for their livelihoods all right so the message we continue to hear some appreciation for some help for agriculture right now but the bigger concern is get back to getting free trade these free trade deals done, trade agreements done, and so have trade rather than have to count on uh, these types of assistance and aid packages. Jim, thank you for being with us, giving us the pork perspective on this. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Mike. We appreciate you. Uh, all right. Jim Monroe, Senior Director of Public Relations for the National Pork Producers Council. We'll get a national corn grower's perspective on all this, plus what we talked about earlier with Jarrett Renshaw with the RFS and EPA. Lots to talk about with the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Skunas, next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Reason number 12 why you should own a Thermospas hot tub? They require no attachment to your home's plumbing. Thanks to the Thermospas unique built-in thermofiltration system that filters the water an incredible 144 times a day, you simply fill it with a garden hose and your water stays crystal clear with very little maintenance. Call to receive a free DVD and brochure and find out how you can own a Thermospas hot tub for only a few dollars a day. Right now, they're offering 0% APR financing with approved credit and a $1,000 savings coupon, including free delivery, free chemicals, and a cash discount. And with bottles starting at $4,995, there will never be a better time to own a Thermospas hot tub. So call now and ask about this limited time offer. Call Thermospas today at 800-991-5852 for your free DVD and brochure. That's 800-991-5852. Thermospas, hot tubs designed to improve your life. 800-991-5852. 
Call 800-991-5852 today to take advantage of 0% APR financing. Time for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. In the grain and oil seed sector, a rally is underway once again on this Thursday. Wheat futures trending higher, soybean futures rallying as well. At a press conference yesterday, President Trump announcing that EU officials had agreed to import more American soybeans. No specifics laid out on just how much more. Soybean futures, though, trending 9 to 10 cents higher an hour into the trading day. On the upside, the next bullish chart objective for November soybeans lies at 897 and three quarters, right around 901 and a quarter in that zone. On the downside, support seen at 857. As long as that holds firm, the bean bulls will retain the technical edge. In corn, we're trending four to five higher an hour into Thursday's session. Looking ahead, new crop December corn bulls need to crack the 40-day moving average to open up the door to a quick test of minor resistance at 380 and a half. We have not exceeded it yet on today's trading session. In the wheats, Minneapolis spring, another 19 to 23 and a half cents higher. Chicago wheat a dime better dozen higher in Kansas City. The second day of the Wheat Quality Council's Hard Red Spring and Durham Wheat Tour wrapped up with an average Hard Red Spring Wheat yield of 41.3 bushels per acre. Not as much as some were expecting before the tour got started. For livestock at the Merck in live cattle futures, we are trending 55 to $1.25 higher, 32 to $1.02 better in feeder cattle. Lean hog futures, 97 to $1.22 higher as well. The Dow is up 120 points. Crude oil near unchanged. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Health, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Health, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Health did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Health now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant, and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. Wow, lots of big ag news this week. We continue to get reaction. Joining us now, the president of the National Corn Growers Association, Kevin Skunas. Hi, Kevin. How are you? Good morning, Mike. I'm great. Uh, Thanks for having me on. So what is uh, the corn grower reaction to the president's aid package? Well, you know, so I, I guess we're, we're certainly happy that the administration, you know, is acknowledging that, you know, the, the damage the tariffs are, are doing to our markets. Um, you know, but, but for sure, corn growers and farmers as, as a whole, you know, we, we'd rather have trade, you know, not aid. 
with the announcement of the $12 billion, we certainly know that there are producers across the country who are going to be facing some shortfalls, uh, whether, you know, short crop, uh, you know, some of the drought, and, and are going to have their, their notes come due. And, and these funds will come at a, at, a, at a great time for that, certainly help with some of that. Um, we hope that the, that the aid program is done, you know, efficiently, effectively. We know there's some regional differences in, in some things that will happen. And we also, you know, want to want to see that it's defensible to the taxpayer because, you know, farmers uh, never want to get their money from the federal government. You know, we want to get it from markets. So if we could get these tariff issues fixed, you know, get them done with, uh, maybe get NAFTA signed into effect. You know, um, yesterday's announcement with the uh, the EU, you know, uh, moving towards zero tariffs, but that is also great news. We just need to get some of these wins across the uh, across the finish line and, and move forward with more trade deals. Kevin, I, I made this point yesterday, and you just kind of alluded to it. Uh, uh, while the aid is certainly needed, uh, it also puts farmers back in the uh, back in the crosshair of, of criticism from those who uh, you know are constantly saying farmers are always getting money from the government and it just, it, it kind of just puts a bad light again on agriculture a negative connotation and ammunition for critics to really go after agriculture again well ab- absolutely Mike and, and that's a concern we have but I think what people have to understand, some of these tariffs that went on, let's say, you know, the, the tariffs on steel and aluminum. Well, you know, so that that's not an agriculture, but the the shining star of the American exports is agriculture. So that's where the retaliation is taking place. And people have to understand that if we don't have markets for our, you know, outside markets for some of our products, there's only so much we can, you know, get rid of for, for feed, as, as in corn for feed in the U.S. and ethanol. We certainly need, you know, trade to be a vital part of our markets. And when that's being disrupted with, you know, tariffs on, on agricultural products that, that were, for, you know, put on because of steel and aluminum, you know, that, that just hurts America. And the, the American farmer taking the whole brunt of this when our good allies and trading partners, you know, could be backing us up on this. It could be, it could be over and done with by now. And we just need to get, you know, back at the bargaining table so these uh, tariffs, you know, don't cause severe, severe long-term problems. Yeah, trying to explain that sometimes, though, to uh, the general public can be very difficult. We're talking with Kevin Skunas, president of the National Corn Growers Association. So, Kevin, uh, the NAFTA talks uh, are going to resume now at high level, it looks like. we mentioned earlier that uh, Mexico and Canada have said they're really not interested in doing, uh, uh, you know, one-on-one deals. There's been a lot of talk about the U.S. would try to do one just with Mexico. Uh, they're saying it's all three that have to be in on this. Uh, are you any more optimistic that now we're going to see some movement, some action on this? Well, I, I certainly hope so. Um, I was in a uh, roundtable meeting with Vice President Pence yesterday in, in Grand Forks, uh, North Dakota, and you know, he was very positive of it. You know, he didn't certainly couldn't guarantee anything, but you know, I, I think we should. I think we could see NAFTA, you know, being finalized. Hopefully, you know, in the next couple months would would be a great thing, and and that would certainly, like I mentioned before, any 
any one of these perfect storm things that we have going on with trade, you know, the, the renewable fuel standard and, and the farm bill, we can get a couple of these across the finish line. NAFTA, of course, Mexico is the number one export market for uh, U.S. corn, and that's so very important that we keep that trade going and, and not, not disrupt that. So it, that, that would be a huge deal if we could get NAFTA finished. Yeah, we've seen with the EU announcement, we don't even know the details of it, but we've seen positive market reaction just on the word that uh, it sounds like something's going to get done. Yes, a- absolutely. And, you know, that that was just a great announcement yesterday. And, and I think it's it's proof positive that, that we can move forward if we just get, you know, get at the bargaining table, let cooler heads prevail, and, and get some of these differences uh, worked out. We We know that we can't fix all of the problems you know, overnight, but we just have to work on them one at a time and work hard and, and understand that these trade markets are good for the for both or for all countries involved. You know, usually we're we're exporting a great product out of the United States in you know corn and and soybeans, wheat and sorghum, and and other countries appreciate the quality that they get and the timely fashion that we can uh, get them exported to them. Meanwhile, Kevin. Um... We've heard this week from the interim administrator at EPA, Andrew Wheeler, and it sounds like he's not going to take a very different approach at all from his predecessor on some of these RFS issues, saying things like, okay, if you're going to get E15 year-round, you're probably going to have uh, export RINs. Uh, He didn't seem to think that they were going to go much different than how they're going to handle a lot of these things like waivers for the uh, refineries uh, from the RFS. So not exactly encouraging news for the the biofuels industry from EPA this week. Well, well, that's true, Mike, and, and that's so disappointing to hear. You know, we, we understand that, you know, to get the RVP, the reed vapor pressure fix, like you just alluded to, so we can uh, get year-round sales of, of blends higher than E10 uh, through all the stations in the U.S., that there may be a package deal coming. Well, you know, in, I guess in our opinion, the package has already been delivered to the oil industry in, in all of these small refinery waivers. You know, that's 2.25 billion gallons that's been waived in the last year by EPA, we we think that's their part of the package. If we could just get reed vapor pressure waiver fixed, we know that that would increase uh, demand for ethanol year-round, and it would be a great thing for the ethanol industry, which then affects the corn market. And we're just trying to figure out, you know, why why they think that there has to be more more concessions made to the oil industry. And finally, on the farm bill, as we uh, get closer to that, we're, we understand the uh, the big four, the chairman and ranking members of each of the ag committees uh, meeting today as we look ahead, probably September, really the month where things really get going with the House off in, for August. Uh, but what are what are corn growers most focused on as, as we get ready for a conference committee on the farm bill? Well, I think, you know, I'm- Absolutely, probably with most commodities, you know, corn growers are our number one priority has been a robust crop insurance program. And, and that looks in, in both the House and the Senate that, you know, the, that the crop insurance will come through, you know, in, in good shape. Uh, we know that, um, and, that's, and that's very positive for our growers so they can have certainty with their, you know, lenders to, to know that they have that guarantee. You know, the second part of the farm bill, you know, like I've said, uh, 
you know, often is, is pretty close. We have the Title I, which is the ARC and PLC, but maybe even as important, if not more, is our export markets, our, our MAP and FMD market access program, foreign market development. You know, we want to see, you know, they've pledged, you know, the, the current funding, but we'd like to see increased funding because we understand that now that certainly these trade deals that we have with our exports are very, very important. If we could increase funding in, in that program, it would be very, uh, you know, beneficial for us. But just getting, you know, the positivity of a farm bill that could be signed by the president in this fiscal year would, would be very important to agriculture as a whole as we look at, you know, backing up, you know, uh, agriculture as a whole. Yeah, it looks kind of feels like growing pressure to get it done, but there's such a huge obstacle on that SNAP program. They've got a long ways to go to, to find any kind of middle ground there. That's, you know, that that's certainly true, you know, with the, with the House, you know, just standing steadfast on the work requirements. And, and it's, you know, and it's mainly just, you know, one, one age group that it's really uh, affecting. And if we could just get to some, you know, some uh, conclusion on that, it would be, we understand that it would be pretty good because both bills, the House and the Senate, you know, appear to be very similar, obviously, in, in what they're looking for, if we could just get the SNAP, uh, the SNAP program figured out. All right. I have to ask you, how do crops look there in North Dakota? Well, you know, um, I, I guess it's looking pretty good. You know, we're, uh, we're borderline dry. I know that uh, the southwest corner of North Dakota is very dry. There's places that have probably had had enough rain that they they need to you know keep the rains coming because the roots root systems aren't great but if we can uh, catch another couple rains on the eastern side of the state we'll have a we'll have a very nice uh, average to above average crop here yeah and i'm sure you're hearing from uh, your fellow corn growers around the country some uh, uh, varied stories from very good to some very bad situations well absolutely we've had some some severe weather come through in some spots where you know the hail is severe damage and you know and some of it happened early enough i think maybe some guys were able to go in and do some replanting but uh you know most of it if it was you know after the late late part of june it doesn't pay to replant in north dakota for you know fear of an early frost so there's certainly a, a variety of things i think uh you know certainly certainly trend yield for corn in north dakota will be you know uh, right right around average, if not a little above, I would think. All right, Kevin, good to talk with you. Thanks for being with us. Take care. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate your time. You bet. Kevin Schoon is president of the National Corn Growers Association. Well, coming up next, we'll get a soybean perspective on these issues. We'll talk with the vice president of the American Soybean Association, Davey Stevens from Kentucky, next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow. And like all of you out there, I had problems sleeping. Pillows would go flat. I would flip-flop all night long. I would wake up with a sore neck, maybe a headache, or feel like I needed a nap even though I slept eight hours. When I invented my pillow, I wanted it to where you could move the patented fill to give you the exact support you need as an individual, regardless of sleep position. My pillow will get you into that deep sleep faster and you will stay there longer. It's not about how much time we spend in bed, it's about how much of that quality sleep we get. I do all of my own manufacturing right here in the United States. I have a 
10-year warranty. You can wash and dry my pillow, and I give you a 60-day money-back guarantee so you have nothing to lose. And here's my best offer ever. You can buy one of my pillows and get one absolutely free. Go to MyPillow.com or call 800-871-7280 now and use promo code FARM11 to take advantage of Mike's buy one, get one free deal. This offer expires on August 1st, so don't delay. Order now by calling 800-871-7280 or go to MyPillow.com and use promo code FARM11. All right, guys. We're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no. We'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym. My gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her Four Seasons garden room. Weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait. A family hub. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for four seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam, for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heart for a mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed. So if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and information. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Discover Craftmatic for less, up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Call 1-800-318-7903. That's 1-800-318-7903. 1-800-318-7903. Call now. If you or your family love the freedom of swimming any time of year, if you love sharing good times and making great memories, or if you want one of the best total body workouts ever, then it's time to discover the three C's of your very own endless pool. The first C is convenience. Imagine swimming year-round in your own private swimming pool, installed indoors or out, just steps away. The second C is comfort. With sculpted spa seats and your own adjustable temperature, you can easily escape the stress of your day. And the third C is cost. Your endless pool is an affordable luxury at a fraction of the cost of a regular pool. And here's a bonus C, choice. Because when you call for your free endless pool idea kit, you'll receive information on our full line of pools to suit your budget and location. Call now for your free information, 800-717-0734, 800-717-0734. Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. 
We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. So what we're hearing from uh, farm groups, that they would appreciate the assistance, the aid package from the administration, but they'd rather have good trade deals rather than aid packages. Let's get perspective now from the American Soybean Association. Their vice president, Davey Stevens from Kentucky, joins us now. Davey, thanks for being with us. What is uh, your reaction and response to the president's uh, aid package? Well, we appreciate the president trying to come up with something in the short term, and it looks like he has uh, rolled out a plan for what's going to help farmers as we move into harvest this year. And so that's kind of a relief, and we're hoping now we can get the farm bill passed, and that will be uh, that will be something we're really hoping that can get done for make sure farming is going to move forward. Uh, soybeans, of course, uh, you, you've taken a big hit. Uh, there's some encouraging news of perhaps uh, something with the EU. We're still waiting for details on that. But uh, just uh, it shows, again, if, if, if these trade deals could get worked out, what a positive boost this could be. But it also points out how much damage is being done until they are done. Yeah, we, we've seen damage, but uh, we've got a We've been working with the administration and just trying to make sure we get something for farmers put in place. And hopefully that's coming quick, especially with what he announced a couple of days ago. And, and I'm anxious to see how that plays out as we move forward. And I don't know a whole lot about the EU right now as far as uh, the insides and outs of it, but that seemed to be a positive move also. Certainly positive to the markets, that's for sure. Yeah, so you wait for details on how the aid package may actually be worked out and there are a lot of details there to be determined yet yes there are details to to be determined uh because that's spread over several different commodity groups on who will get the 12 billion but uh that it's just such a positive sign for ag on what you know has been going on for the last couple of uh, months or longer and so it seems like soybean farmers are excited to to have something moving uh, moving in their direction, especially as we get ready to enter into harvest, which in Kentucky we'll start cutting beans probably around the 1st of September. So that's that's a good sign. And how does your crop look? Everything looks good. Uh, there's spots of Kentucky that's a little dry, but overall I think we'll have a good crop. Uh, soybeans led Kentucky and planted acres this year again, so that's that's another positive thing. And so we're looking forward to it. Talking with Davey Stevens, Vice President of the American Soybean Association. Davey, you mentioned the Farm Bill, and we're moving forward on that. Uh, what is the American Soybean Association most focused on that you want to see come out of this in the final bill? Well, we, we truly want to get the, the Farm Bill. Uh, the, the Senate version looked really good to us. Both, both versions did, but the, but the Senate version seemed to be really 
looks good. Uh, we would love to get our, our MAP and FMD. We'd love to get those funds doubled to develop more markets uh, besides the ones we have. And, and doubling that amount would, would really help us get into these other countries who would have other trading partners. But also crop insurance. And when you go back to crop insurance, making sure we have something that's a, a, viable, uh, a viable way forward, you know, when we're suffering in, uh, in years that are drought-stricken. Are you concerned or how concerned might you be that all that could come undone if they can't work out something on the SNAP program? Well, that that's true. We have met with uh, we've met with different leaders in Congress. We've met with the chair in the Senate and the House, and we've also met with the ranking uh, members in and the House and the Senate respectively. And and then, of course, uh, Senate Majority Leader is McConnell, and we visited with him. And and so I think they will get something worked out. They'll get some resolve with this, and and put a farm bill in place. And hopefully that'll happen by September 30th. That's what we're hopeful for. All right. So, Davey, would you say overall, uh, soybean growers, especially with the events of this week, with the aid package and everything, uh, have your concerns been at least uh, somewhat comforted or, or or you feel a little better about the situation? Or what is your stress level with the trade policies and the actions that the administration is taking right now towards agriculture? Well, the, when all this began, you know, farmers were – we're concerned of how will this play out because when you really look back at uh, a lot of the farmers that are actively engaged in farming, I know it's not what the average age is, but it's actually engaged a lot of the young people that's come into agriculture and, and pursued farming. They've never seen a situation like this. I mean, I, I, I go back to the grain embargo of, of uh, I think, 79, and I remember that as I was almost – getting ready to start farming and, and just knowing how that affected us. So a lot of them don't know how to respond to this. And, and really, you know, we've really never had this in front of us. So we're uh, optimistic that, it'll, that we'll get something worked out. What was announced earlier this week seems to be a, a positive in that direction. And so we just hope to continue to get good news out of Washington on, on what's going on and, and getting put in place with trade agreements. All right, Davey, thank you for being with us, and uh, hope you have a, a good rest of your growing season and a good harvest coming up. Thanks for being with us. Well, thank you much for taking the time. All right, Davey Stevens from Kentucky. He's the vice president of the American Soybean Association. So lots of big stories going on, and we'll continue to keep you updated here on AOA. So we're watching uh, what reaction to the aid package that the president announced still waiting for more details there still waiting for details on this uh, deal with the eu that sounds very positive especially for soybeans but again until we get the details we just don't know how positive but uh, it looks encouraging and uh, as we mentioned negotiations high level negotiations about to kick off again on nafta they've been it's kind of been on hold for a while but it looks like uh, they're going to get back into it. Mexico's negotiating team is in Washington, D.C. today for negotiations, and uh, Mexico's economy minister will be meeting with U.S. Trade Representative Robert Lighthizer. This will be for the first time since the uh, presidential election in Mexico, and so they're going to pick these talks back up, and that'll get people anxious and hopeful that there can be a deal uh, worked out in the near future but there's still a long ways to go and as we mentioned earlier 
uh, the talk about the U.S. and Mexico coming to a deal, that's going to have been uh, quieted down as the, we're getting word more and more that the Mexico and Canada want a trilateral deal and not the one-on-one deal. So a lot at stake here. We'll keep you up to date, get more news, more reaction tomorrow right here on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Hope you'll join us. Have a great day, everyone.